All right, this afternoon we're going to be talking about provider. But brothers in Christ, we're going to do so through the context and the lens of leadership. Yesterday we talked about leading from the front. Today we're going to talk about leading by example. But before we do that, I'm going to give you exactly two minutes of my precious speaking time. I know that's a good news for you and less news for me, but oh well. Two minutes. What I want you to do is team up in pairs of two. If you have to, three but only two minutes. Ask the man next to you one simple question. One simple question with one simple answer. What do you need, brother, right now? Ask each other that question and then turn and intercede for that man and that need right now. Go. I need help getting through this talk. Yeah. <laughs> you guys pray for each other? Yeah. Oh, let's pray together. Let's go. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We glorify your name. This is such an opportunity for us to come together as men, as brothers in Christ. And we ask you to be with us. Pour your spirit down upon us, my Lord. And I pray for the needs of these two men. Now, I don't know what the needs are because I didn't ask, but... My Lord, I pray and I beg you, please provide for these men right now. Will you give them the Holy Spirit? Will you meet the need that they need most right now in their heart that they may come so close to you that no one can tell the difference? In Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 God bless you, brothers. Quick question. Yeah. There's a kid up here who's uncomfortable since you're going to talk about porn. Are you going to talk about that in detail in this talk? I will try to be as vague as I can, but I, do, I will talk about it. All right, thanks. All set? Did we storm the gates of heaven? Yes or no? Is God good or what? God is very good, brothers in Christ. Today we're talking about providing. We're talking about leading by example, being heroic leaders. Because as we said yesterday, beating within our chest is the heart of a heroic leader. We have made the choice to stay in the fight. We said yes to God and we said we will give you effort and attitude and we leave success up to you, O oh Lord. We may die, but we will die fighting. Amen? Amen? Today we need to learn to lead by example. I brought up John chapter 12 yesterday. Again, it's one of my very favorite sections of sacred scripture, especially in the Gospels. Because I think it speaks to my own personal heart Because Jesus leads by example. I told you about that, uh, that story of the two Greeks, these two Gentiles who decided they wanted to come and see Jesus. And that kicked off his hour, his passion, death, and resurrection. Notice how eager our Lord is to get to that moment. He is eager. He craves the cross. Because he had you in mind. And he knows you need that more than you need anything. He said, Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. 
But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He goes on to say, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Now, brothers in Christ, I have a pretty good idea what the fruit of an apple tree looks like. I kind of know what the fruit of a pear tree will look like. What's the fruit of a grain of wheat look like? What's the fruit of a grain of wheat look like? Bread. What is the bread that our Lord is speaking of here? Now, I'm going to give you some brilliant, I mean utterly brilliant biblical insight. After chapter 12 comes chapter 13. Amen. Amen. You can write that down. You can impress your friends at cocktail parties. That's right. Praise be Jesus Christ. We call that God's kingdom, just over the border. <laughs> Chapter 13 of John's Gospel is the upper room. It is where our Lord not only institute the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, His body, blood, soul, and divinity, divine life poured out for you. Maybe not Richard, but you. <laughs> but what else does He do? He takes his 12 aside and he takes the, the, the cloth and towel, wraps it around his waist, and he begins to wash their feet. Now he's speaking very specific biblical language. He is ordaining these men as priests. And he begins to prepare them for the day ahead. Because he knows what's coming. And he knows the tribulation that will rock their world. Do you see how Jesus is preparing them? He's giving them what they need most. Jesus, and this is what struck me as so profound about this section of John's Gospel. Jesus Christ was eager. He was anxious. He was willing and able and couldn't wait to get to the cross to die to provide them what they needed most. But let me tell you, I sit here and go, what am I willing to die for? <laughs> what am I willing to die to provide my wife or my children? Or my neighbors, my coworkers, my, you know, the, the strangers that I meet often, acquaintances, family members, especially those who are so far from the church that I don't have the vaguest clue as to how to get them home. What am I willing to die for them for? I don't, I don't, I'm not eager to get to the cross. You don't hear me with giddiness in my voice and just anxious anticipation of that moment to die and save the world. But our Lord, our Savior, that is exactly what He was ready and anxious for, to provide us what we need most. St. Jose Maria Scriva. Listen to this. Jesus gave himself up for us in a holocaust of love. What about you? You who are a disciple of Christ. You, a favored son of God. You who have been ransomed at the price of the cross. You too should be ready to deny yourself. 
So no matter what situation we may find ourselves in, neither you nor I can ever allow ourselves to behave in a way that is selfish, materialistic, comfort-loving, dissipated, or forgive me, just plain stupid. If all you want is the esteem of your fellow men, and you long to be respected and appreciated, and you only seek a pleasant life, then you have strayed from the path. Only those who travel the rugged, narrow, and austere path of tribulation are allowed to enter the city of the saints, there to rest and reign with a king for all eternity. I love it when a saint says stupid. Because that's what my wife calls me. So I thought it was like speaking to me. No? I love that. I love getting a kick in the pants. I love going out in this orienteering course yesterday as big and as out of shape as I am and huffing my fat butt through those trees trying to find a point that not even they could find. You know what I'm saying? I knew I wasn't going to be successful. I thought I was going to be better than I did, but I knew I wasn't going to be successful, but I loved the kick in the pants. We live very comfortable lives, you and me. We live very comfortable lives. We need the kick in the pants every now and again, right? That's why I love this retreat. I love how the, I got a blister the size of Texas underneath my foot there. And I'm like, oh, and my neck hurts and my ears blocked and I can't sleep. And I'm texting my wife. And she's like, oh, what was you? Suck it up. <laughs> I'm like, praise God and amen. When I leave here, I'm going to be like sore for like a week. And I'm thinking, praise God, this is so awesome. I need that. I loved, I loved boot camp for that reason. I loved, I didn't like the, the brutality of it, and I didn't like the purpose of it, but I loved that physical challenge that I had to find that inner strength. And brothers in Christ, that's exactly what we are called to do. Do you think it was easy for our Lord to be in the Garden of Gethsemane there? Knowing what was to come, and that devil whispering into his ear, they're not worth it. Let me tell you about Joe McClain. You think he's worth it? He's not. Let me tell you about him. He grew up on pornography. You see, I inherited porn from my father. Some of my earliest memories, and I am not joking, are of my father's sexual exploits. Things he would do. I would peruse my father's porn collection at a very young age. It formed and shaped everything about who I thought I was supposed to be as a man. My father inherited his addiction from his father. It's generational in many respects, men. I thought that's how you treated people. I wanted to be like my dad, only 10 times better. So I wanted to conquer the world. I wanted to make trophies. Human beings are not trophies. Human beings are to be loved and respected. What does it mean to love? St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and following, Husbands, love your wives 
as Christ loved the church, offering himself up for her, cleansing her through the baptism of the word, washing her, presenting her as an unblemished sacrifice back to God. To love is the cross. To love is to deny oneself. I love what Father Champagne said in the homily. Man, I can listen to that man all day long. Amen? Amen. We pour ourselves out. Men are not made for creature comforts. You see, God knows that if he didn't provide a man to help that family get to heaven, that man who would lay his life down and sacrifice, that man who would not stand by the tree and say nothing and allow his spouse to do all the talking with the, with the intruder, but rather who would stand in the gap and lay his life down if necessary to provide for them what they need most. Brothers in Christ, my addiction led to abortion, contraception, premarital engagements and cohabitations. And I won't get into too much detail, but let me tell you this. When I finally met my spouse, I knew I wanted to marry her the first moment I laid eyes on her. I couldn't explain why exactly, but I knew I wanted to marry her. So I worked very hard to provide what I thought would what she would want or need in order for her to say yes. I was living like a drunken sailor on shore leave at a Mardi Gras gone out of control. Notice I didn't say Marines. Or Army or sailors. Or airmen, rather. I, I worked a second job to buy my wife a ring. I got the biggest ring I could afford. I paid $3,000 in cash and I literally blood, sweat, and tears to earn that because this was, you know, I was broke. I had, the job didn't pay well and I was just kicking myself in the pants to buy this ring. I wanted to go big or go home. So, you know, the day came when I was going to pop the question. And at the time, we were living in Manchester, New Hampshire. And in Manchester, New Hampshire, there's a, there's a giant rock that overlooks the city, like a cliff called Rock Remen. And so I hauled up on the top of this rock a wooden dining room set. <laughs> go big or go home. And I put out a red tablecloth, a silver candelabra with red tapers, and we put red lobster on white plates. I blindfolded her, drove her around the city so she wouldn't know where we were going. And then I carry her up this, this rock. And just as the sun was setting over the city and you got the, the oranges and the reds and the purples in the sky, it was perfect weather that day. I got on my knees. I took the blindfold off, got on my knees, and I opened this white leather ring box. And there was a light inside the lid that shone directly onto the diamond. <laughs> For all you single men who are going to get married, this is a great way to make your diamond look bigger than it actually is. <clears throat> so it's a, a money-saving technique. But it looks brilliant. I'm on my knees. There's this huge stone there that I just, I literally shed blood to earn 
the sun is setting, I'm thinking, this is perfect. She looks at the rock. She looks over my shoulder and sees a lobster and says, ooh, lobster. <laughs> lobster, hello, ring. I just popped the question. See, my wife's Portuguese, so they love seafood. Which, by the way, in hindsight, is something I should have discerned prior to asking her. Because when she dug into that, uh, that, that creature, it's disturbing. <laughs> from you boys not from Louisiana, go to a crawfish boil, you'll get what I'm talking about. There's some sucking involved. Okay, Texas boys don't do that kind of thing. Our stuff is deshelled, it comes in a salad, it's great. Up there, it's not quite the same way. She said yes, obviously. And I thought, good, I'm in. This is done. I checked that box off. We're moving along. You see, she said, well, if we're going to get married, you're going to have to become Catholic. Catholic? Um, okay, whatever. I, I, was a, I was a pagan heathen. I mean, the world existed to serve me. I was the center of the universe. I mean, as far as I was concerned, I, you know, I'm the God you serve. You know, what difference does it make, right? So I said, whatever. And I went to RCIA class, and I tried to be the most obnoxious person there. You see, I was a third-degree master mason, and I tried to throw out all the tough questions that I thought would be like the curveballs that they could never answer, and they would just go, you know what? You're not fit for the Catholic Church, and you just should move along. But you know they never did that? Not once, no matter how obnoxious of a question I asked, not one single time were they ever uncharitable, unwelcoming, or encouraging to me. Was I catechized? No. It's fluff stuff. But I praise God for that RCIA team. Because if it wasn't for their charity, I would have walked. They provided to me what I needed at that time. You see, most of us, brothers in Christ, most, most of all the human race drinks spiritual milk because they can't handle the meat. If we try to force feed them meat, they choke on it. As leaders, as providers, your job is to look at the individual. Focus on the person. Discern what they need right now. And your job is to stand in the gap, pray and intercede, and provide. <clears throat> now, one of those nights at RCIA class I remember most, it was the night that we were reading the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. Now, listen, I, I didn't read Scripture. I wasn't into Scripture. I was into myself. So even though I had gone to Sunday school as a kid in the Church of Christ, it's kind of all new to me at the same time. And I remember sitting there listening as they read these. And I had my eyes closed and I was just kind of listening. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's the one that got me. Because I knew 
I mean, it was like a moment of clarity, an epiphany moment in my life. I knew, I sat there and I listened to that and I knew it struck me like as clear as day. That's true. That's authentic. But I am not living that life and I will not live that life. Because I said to myself, I'm a slave to my passions. I am not free to pursue this truth. I actually said to myself, you know what? It's a good thing I'm going to live a long life. Because maybe someday, down the road, way long from now, I'll be free to pursue that truth. Because I knew what I was going to do that very night when we got back to our apartment. And my not even wife yet, because we were living together, went to sleep. I had a high-speed internet mobile connection. I had all the disordered passions I could ever want at the click of a mouse. And I did exactly that that very night. She caught me many times. It was a wound so deep. You know, a lot of the studies show that women are hurt far worse when their husbands use pornography than if their husbands have an actual relationship with another human being. Want to know why? Because they can't compete with a fantasy. Because fantasies aren't human. They aren't people. We get married. A year after I became Catholic, I entered the church in 1999. About Two months after we get married, buy a house, and about a month after we buy our house, this is where the dream starts, right, men? You get married, you buy a home, happily ever after. A month goes by, ding dong. My wife's mother, sister, and two brothers are standing on my doorstep. They need a place to live. <laughs> what? Uh, hold on, let me check my life vision plan. No, mm -mm, I don't see in-laws living with me on the list. <laughs> Is there a shelter you can go to? I mean, I don't know. There's a food pantry down the road. Um, I was not a happy camper. I wasn't going to Mass. I mean, I did the RCI thing, became Catholic for her. I had no personal investment. I wasn't interested. I was going to live my disordered passions. They didn't have jobs. And I would walk around the house, you lazy bums, you got to get a job. Get off your butt. Get out there and earn a living. That was my wife's mother that I talked to that way. Is that what she needed? When she was at her lowest moment? Is that the man God created me to be? To talk with such disrespect to a daughter of the Most High God? Well, long story short, I lost my job and my wife said, you know what? You weren't bringing home love and respect and integrity. Now you don't bring home a paycheck. I think we're done. She wrote it out on a piece of paper. You take that, I take this, we're done. 
I didn't know what to do. I didn't have the slightest clue. I mean, I didn't have anybody to turn to. I turned to the one person whom I was sure would not be there because you know what? I was never there for him. I pulled out that Bible they gave me in RCIA class. I dusted it off, <laughs> cracked it open to the same spot that it had been opened the last time. And I started reading. I didn't know what else to do. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I felt a compulsion to get on my knees that day. It was April 2002. I got on my knees and I said, God, I cannot do this. You have to do this. And in a moment of time, the creator of all the universe made himself present to me. I didn't see him. I didn't hear him. No inner voice. I'm not that special. Trust me. But his presence was so overwhelming to me. Can you imagine? I mean, doesn't he have like the stars and the moon to worry about? Like the world economy? But he took time to come to me. And in a moment of time, he gave me three graces. The moment I got on my knees, if you'd have asked me whether or not it was correct or right to view pornography, masturbate or any of that, I would have said yes, absolutely. I would have argued with you. Aren't we all just born creatures of love? Isn't it just pleasure? Who's it harming anyway? Doesn't affect anybody else but myself, right? The very next moment that day, without any of an understanding on my part, I knew I could never do that again. I didn't know how I was going to accomplish that. I just knew that I couldn't. The Lord gave me a moment of clarity, to be honest with myself. He gave me a grace, an opportunity to see things from a, a direction that I hadn't seen before. I, have, I hadn't discovered theology of the body by that point. So this was a grace. He also said to me, you've broken your relationship with your spouse. You have mutilated that marriage. You're going to fix it. Because it's worth dying for. He said, I don't care if you have to beg or grovel. And she's never going to believe a word you have to say. So you do whatever you have to do, but you broke it, you fix it, and you better fix it. And the third grace he gave me was an insatiable desire to get to know who he was. Because I didn't know who he was. I didn't have the slightest clue who he was. And I couldn't stop until I figured out who this person was. And I say person. Not some abstract concept. A person. Brothers in Christ, you want transformation? You want life-altering transformation? Well, Jesus Christ is a person. You get to know people. The problem is our culture says we don't stop for anyone. 
We are all that's important. We don't know the first thing about each other. Jesus is a person. Get to know that person through the battle of prayer. And your life will be altered. I promise you that. Prayer leads you closer to Christ, leads you closer through the sacraments and the graces poured out through His church. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2725, quote, Prayer is both a gift of grace and a determined response on our part. It always presupposes effort. The great figures of prayer of the Old Covenant before Christ, as well as the Mother of God, the saints, and He Himself, all teach us this. Prayer is a battle. Against whom? Against ourselves and against the wiles of the tempter who does all he can to turn man away from prayer, away from union with God. We pray as we live because we live as we pray. If we do not want to act habitually according to the Spirit of Christ, neither can we pray habitually in His name. The spiritual battle of the Christian's new life is inseparable from the battle of prayer. After my conversion, my let go, let God experience, and I was on some crazy wild ride that I had never anticipated in my life. I knew that the very first step to fixing my marital problems was prayer. But you know what the devil whispered in my ear? Don't open your mouth. Your wife will know you're stupid. Because I didn't have a clue how to pray. I was scared to pray with my spouse. But you know what I figured out? If you ignore the devil and do it anyway, who cares if, you're, if you sound foolish? Because your wife's heart, and for you men who aren't married, I have another message for you. But in your wife's heart, she will take your silly prayers every day as opposed to not hearing a single one. Men, you lead from the front and you lead by example. You embrace your cross. You men who aren't married, you're called to father the world. You're called to pray with your brothers and sisters. There's no excuse for a single man here, young, old, married, not married. We have one mission. What's our mission? This basket weaving class. What's our mission? Heaven! To enter the city of the saints, there to rest and reign with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are called to provide physically all the necessities of life. Yea and amen. How many of us put that priority over spiritual? How many people can get into heaven by buying it? Zero. So when you prioritize your life, when you prioritize your life, what comes first? The physical needs of your family or your community? 
or the spiritual needs of your family or your community. When you lead from the front and you lead by example, you say, do as I do and not as I say. And you get to know the people whom the Lord God has placed into your life. You take time. You stop. You engage. And you ask them, what do you need right now? Boudreau and Thibodeau decided they were going to go fishing. Boudreau had a motorboat. And they were going to go down to the bayou. Boudreau got a little carried away and didn't see that branch coming. It took off Boudreau's head. They went to Mrs. Boudreau Clotilde and said, what would you like to put in the obituary? Boudreau is dead. Now, Miss Clotilde, uh, you should say a little more about Boudreau. Write this. Boudreau is dead. Boat for sale. What do you want written on your obituary? Boat for sale. I want and I strive for, he led his family towards Calvary, there to enter into the city of the saints, to rest and reign with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And his family was by his side. Amen? Beating in your chest is the heart of a heroic leader. Those aren't fluffy words. If you don't believe them, then they will not have the impact in your life that they need. You got to say it to yourself because the devil's whispering in your ear. And if you don't drown him out, you will buy his lie. Beating in your chest is the heart of a son of the Most High God. This far and no further. I will lead from the front and I will lead by example. Amen? Amen. God bless you, brothers.